Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Trust and Believe. I'm your host, Shanti. Today, you are going to enhance your power to trust and believe in your relationship with food and how it affects you mentally. I'm telling you right now, our guest today is going to slay the game and you're going to feel so much better. Tony Manucci is an MSRD, is a registered dietitian and business owner of Diet Tips with Tony. It's T-O-N-I, get into it, who ironically teaches people now not to diet, which I absolutely love. Her team of registered dietitians provides nutrition coaching to help women break from the all or nothing mindset and encourage them to embrace balance instead. Her mission is to end restrictive diet culture by providing simple tips for healthy living while incorporating foods you love. Tony is also a podcast host, TEDx speaker, and the number one best-selling author of the book, Once Upon a Diet, where she discusses the parallels between dieting, dating, and romantic relationships and how we treat them the same. Today, she is here to discuss a much requested topic by our listeners here on Trust and Believe, which is breaking diet culture and how we can take control over binge eating. I hope this information helps so many of you out there that may struggle with these types of disordered eating. So get ready to trust and believe. Sean T, and it's time to trust and believe. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here. When I found out that I was going to be on the show, I literally said, I can't believe it. But then I said, never mind, I can, because it's literally the opposite of the show. Like, trust and believe, you know? (laughs) Yes. And I have to share something with you first before we keep, we record a little bit further, which is... Um, I don't know if you remember, you'd probably don't remember because you meet thousands and millions of people all the time. Oh my gosh. Hold on. I'm going into my memory bank here. (laughs) Over at this point, I mean, 2011, maybe so over 11, 12 years ago, I was studying dietetics at SUNY Oneonta at college Oneonta. You came and you gave a workout to the group and I have a picture with you, actually. That I oh, my God. Can you show it to the screen? It's me with my friends there, and I'm there, and I'm next to you. And oh my gosh. I, I grew up in high school. I was, you know, I played basketball and volleyball and shot put and discus and all the things. And I loved working out. 
And I did all of your workouts, like on off seasons and and then even in college, I did your workouts and then post-college. Like, so it's just so surreal right now. Oh, my God. It's so surreal. That was over, that was like almost 15 years ago. That was a long time ago. And I will say congratulations. Like, this is so freaking cool. And that was a long time ago. I literally had to go in my memory bank and that step and repeat that red one. Oh, my gosh. That was so long <laughs> Yeah. Oh, well, I am so happy, number one, that we're going to talk about empowering ourselves and pushing through. But most importantly, I think, like, congratulations. Like, that's Thank so you. cool because 10 years ago, I mean, you were in a completely different place. And now you're, like, a best-selling author. Like, and I get to interview you. This is so cool. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to stop fanboying and loving on you. Well, I'm going to continue to love on you. But I want you to love on these people who are listening right now. I think the very first thing that I want to, like, I want to break through. I believe that there are a lot of people out there who are inspiring and motivating. And a lot of people look up to you, look up to us as people mm-hmm. who are a leader in our space. But we all have a story of why we decided to go after our particular goal or journey to help people. Can you just give me a little background of what empowered you and fueled you to really empower people out there? Yeah, for sure. Well, I think we always go into a field because we want to be the person that we needed when we were younger. I think that's a lot of people. So that was my story. So I grew up overweight and very insecure about my weight. I was told very early on verbatim by my lovely grandmother who unfortunately is no longer with us and she's a wonderful human but at the time she had a, played a big role unfortunately with my body image issues because she would say things like to me like if you don't lose the weight you would never get a boyfriend mm. and so I would hear it at home then I would go to school I would get teased about my weight just you know growing up I was born in 1990 so you can imagine the early 2000s when all of the people on the covers were either being fat shamed or glorified for a certain aesthetic and I never fit that mold right growing up watching all the Disney princess movies and they all had that same hourglass figure it was just like I didn't honestly you don't even have to like watch the news to to tell somebody that in a bigger body that they don't belong or that they're not worthy of love or whatever it is and so that was the messaging that I had in me very early on and so like most people you think okay well if order for me to fit in in order for me to be worthy of love and acceptance well then I need to change everything about myself and what I really need to change the most is obviously people are pointing out that my body size is too big so I need to try to lose weight so Mm. I shared before I grew up even though I was in a bigger body I was always very athletic so I always played sports but that actually for me at certain parts in my journey became an obsession so I just started to work out more work out harder work out longer and then what else do we think is going to help us to lose weight eat less and eat less and eat less and I wish I could say it stopped there but it would just keep going and so just fast forward you know at first I make a joke about it but it's true like I decided to go to school to become a registered dietitian because I wanted to learn how to lose weight like I'm being honest about it you know so I went down that path and unfortunately what happened is the more I learned about nutrition, the more obsessed I became about nutrition. So here I was the epitome of quote unquote health, but nobody understood what was going on behind the scenes. So I was getting leaner and thinner and thinner and fitter and fitter and fitter. But I was feeling like I had no escape, that I had to fit this mold. And I worked and I was doing it for other people. And so why I do what I do today is to help you to understand that you get to choose how you care for your body. And there are ways 
ways to be both happy and healthy, regardless of the number on the scale. And then also further, regardless of your relationship status, because what I share about in my book, which maybe we'll get into today, is kind of like this unhealthy dynamic with our with our food and our bodies often also affects who we choose to date, who we allow in our lives, what sort of standards that we don't set for ourselves and circumstances that we settle for. And so I became a registered dietitian because at first I just wanted to selfishly learn how to eat and, you know, lose the weight and be quote unquote healthier. But, uh, you know, jokes on me, I learned that there was so much more to learn. Um, And now fast forward almost 10 years, I've been in the field and helping people to live happier and healthier lives without having to make these crazy sacrifices and feeling trapped to a diet. Mm. That was a TED Talk. We're done with the episode (laughs) because she just laid the game. (laughs) It's so interesting because knowing that you came to one of my events so long ago and 2011, I was still in a headspace of having to be 185, 190 pounds. I was like, right. if I'm 188 pounds and like I can get on stage and I'm, I feel like I'm not going to eat breakfast this morning. And you know, all of this stuff is going through my head. And like you said, the, being a product of the nineties, I mean, I was born in the seventies, but when I was, I graduated high school in 96 when you were six years old, <laughs> and <laughs> which I think is kind of cool. Cause we're hanging out today. The thing that's really interesting is that you know, I went through this whole process of like professional dancer, right? And all the dancers on stage were super thin. And so then I got into fitness and then fitness was all about thin, thin, ripped, ripped, small, small, be as light as you can. And even though there were bodybuilders out there, even though there were other types of fitness commercially, beauty was always looked at as like, how thin can you be? Right. And that's why in the beginning, we do want to rewind again, when you said you were a shot put in javelin and discus, like for me, I, I didn't even picture size. I was given a fist pump because I'm like, there's power. Like, you know, you had to have so much power and core strength. You know, I didn't even think like, oh my gosh, like when you said, you know, people look at field event players like they have to be a certain size and then you relate it to your body type and it's crazy. Mm-hmm. But to move forward, fast, fast forward to today, literally today, while my workouts are a bit longer than they used to be, I do one solid workout, I feel good, and I eat. So with that mm-hmm. said, I just want you to really kind of dive into that and the science behind it because I feel like they can hear us say this in and out and we have success in our goals or whatever but the science behind not killing yourself to work out so much and how you balance it with eating and feeling really good about your food and then obviously taking it to what finishes the the triangle of the mental strength and fitness you need to have to combine the three I know that was a big question but no but it's I think it's so great because exactly what you said so a lot of people when they think of health they think of one thing which is their physical health um, and I know you don't believe this either. But what I believe is health is your mental and your physical health, your well-being really in general, right? So your nutrition plan should never sacrifice your mental health and your mental health should never be sacrificing your nutrition. So a true healthy eating plan is a balanced plan based on what are your mental health goals and what are your physical health goals. And so there is, and it's hard because a lot of people tend to live in like the all or nothing mentality and they feel like they would be hard 
hard to maybe be consistent if they told themselves that they were able to have a variety of foods in their brain. It's like, well, that's too difficult. So it's just tell me exactly what to eat, right? Or tell me exactly what workout to do or whatever it is. And the true true health is really a combination of both um, your mental and your physical health. So with that said, skipping meals and decreasing your calorie intake so significantly is not only going to impair your mental health, but it's going to impair your physical health. And I'm going to explain why. A lot of people where they go wrong and where they have an unhealthy relationship with food is they truly believe that certain foods are either good or bad. And now when I say that, this brings up a lot of emotions for people. I'm not saying that a cookie is more nutritious than broccoli. We understand that there are foods that are healthier than others. But when it comes to our moral compass, you know, we didn't do something bad because we ate a cookie. But when people have that mindset, it creates guilt and shame. And that's what leads to the screw it mindset or the, you know, why did I just do that? And then they either go into a binge or they go into restriction or they go into purging of some kind, whether that be self-induced vomiting or exercise. Mm. And so it's really important to help people to understand that if you view food as morally good or bad, it's going to be really hard for you to make progress. Where we really like to help people to really reframe the way that you're thinking about food, it's helping them to understand that, yes, there are certain foods that are gonna make you feel better. You're gonna have more energy. You're going to probably get less likely to get sick. You're going to just feel good when you eat a certain way. But when you go to those extremes, when we have really, really under eating, whether that be calorie or nutrients, that's when we can get sick. That's when we have low energy. That's where we might get a headache, might be hard to focus, right? And then often those periods of restriction usually do lead to binge eating or emotional eating or where we're eating to the past past fullness and we're not feeling good and then we're feeling groggy and like we want to throw up or we just want to unbuckle our pants. Like we just, we don't feel good. And so one of the things I say I don't even know if I said it in my TED Talk, but I say it a lot. I think I <laughs> maybe in my TED Talk. I'm not sure. But it was for me, it was the second I stopped focusing on how food was going to make me look and instead for focusing on how food was going to make me feel, that's when I found balance in my eating habits. And I think people need to hear that to understand that your body actually is fully capable of keeping you at what's called equilibrium. So mm. if you under eat one day, you're not going to be as hungry the next day. If you're thirsty, you're already dehydrated. Your body's always talking to you. But unfortunately, we live in a society where people don't even know how to eat anymore because they've been told a bazillion different other ways. And that's where they're detached from their natural cues. Their, mm. their body is always communicating. But because they've gone through like extreme periods of dieting or, you know, from one diet to the next or cutting out this and then eating that and following this and following that, they lose that sense of being able to trust their body. And I, I hope that people get something out of today and then beyond to know that it takes time, right? We've, we've learned these really unhelpful patterns over many, many years. You know, for me, it was over 10 years. For most people that work with us, they come to us at like in their 40s when they've been dieting for 20 plus years. And unfortunately, they lost sight of that. So in order for you to have a 
healthy, abundant, fulfilling life, it's you have to support your body, right? I'm not saying only eat cookies and never eat any broccoli, right? I'm not saying that. But obviously, <laughs> if we go to the extremes, we're, that's where we, we have increased cravings. Um, it might be hard for us to be consistent. We might be missing out on you know festivities or fun. And so your quality of life matters more. So it's really important that we're focusing on balanced nutrition and focusing on how we want to feel more so than how we want to look. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. How do you get people to understand that it is okay to break down that idea of perfection? Mm. Because to your point about, you know, Growing up in the 90s and, you know, the early 2000s and the, the cover on the magazine and all this stuff, it really becomes the closer to perfect you are, the more you are praised. Yeah. And mentally, I mean, you know, we can go super deep into the mental health space because a lot of a lot of these issues, I believe, comes from when you were a kid, like you said, being teased or even somebody like me as being gay. It was like, oh, or my husband talks about when he was teased for being gay. It's like, well, I want to be the exact opposite of that. Mm-hmm. Like, like it's this idea of perfection that the world has, especially when it comes down to body type. Mm-hmm. How do you get someone to debunk the, the theory of the outside world and focus on what it is that you have to build on? Oh, I love this question so much. I'm so excited right now. <laughs> I'm glad you love uh, it because I want to know the answer. <laughs> Okay, so where we specialize in is helping people hear the relationship with food in their body. So I'm going to give you this answer based on my specialty, but there's probably a bazillion ways in which this can be answered. Um, So first off, like chasing perfectionism is a lie. Like you're never going to be perfect because there's always going to be things that you can shift and adapt and change. To help people detach their weight from their worth. So trying to to stop trying to make their body perfect and being able to just understand that you are enough, you are worthy. And whether you choose to change your body or not, that's not for me to say. You get to choose to change it, but I want to make sure that you're doing it from a place that's truly from you and not from outside influence, okay? So I actually have people ask themselves three questions to help them to detach their weight from their worth. So the first question, I'm going to go a little blunt and bold here, but it's really powerful, which is if you were to die tomorrow, how would people remember you by? And my guess is they're not going to be talking about your body. They're going to be talking about the person that you are, the character traits that you have, you know, what did what did you do for society, all of the things, right? And so it's really helping to neutralize this idea that our body is everything. It's just understanding your body is a body. It, it's It's just a body. It's not putting it on a pedestal. It's just a body. And mm. that's a really, that's the first step, right? It's kind of the acceptance component, right? We can't change things if we don't accept first. So the second part then is, even though it's just a body, you also only get one body. 
So the question is, is how do I want to, you know, what can my body do for me? And coming from a place of gratitude where a lot of people fixate on what they don't like about their body or what's not working about their body and they get frustrated about their body. And it's understanding that if you can hear this podcast right now, your body is working for you. You have hearing. That's a beautiful thing. If you're watching it on YouTube, you can see. That's a beautiful thing. I bet most of you today tasted your food. That's a beautiful thing. M- most of the women, not all, but probably 50% at least of the women on here, maybe birthed a child. You know, that's that's a beautiful thing, right? Your body is capable of so many things and we often fixate on what we want to change about it when I really inter- encourage you to really focus on what can it do for you. And then when you do that, you're now now you're going to treat it better, right? If you don't like something, you're going to treat it poorly. But if you like something or at least like you don't hate it, you're going to give it you're going to give it a little love, right? You're going to give it a little bit more uh, of attention. And so I think that's really important. So it's not about being perfect. It's just about kind of accepting it. And you know what? You got it for you got only get one and you have it the rest of your life. So you may as well do something good to it, right? You had it from the beginning and it's going to be here with you. I think that, you know, everyone has their own idea of what's beautiful. The fact that we let either the media or magazine make us want to fit into this this box, number yeah. one is silly. And number two, you also have your own idea of what's beautiful. And I do believe that if you build, learn, and help yourself believe, because it is true, that you are beautiful, like that feeling goes back yes. to what you said of like what happens when you die. Like people are going to feel that yes. energy that you put out because then you become a beautiful entity, not just a beautiful body. You have to change your belief system. This this idea that your body is more important than your character and who you are and what you bring to the table and what you bring to the world is a lie. That's mm. what society has told you. But when we die, we don't have our body. We only have our, our soul, if you believe in that, whatever you believe in, right? And, you know, that's that's who you actually are. The body is just, you know. The show. The show. Exactly. <laughs> so the third question, if we lived in this weird society that wasn't that your body didn't matter right like if it was like our body literally was not a thing that people cared about like that had no place into who you are and what you could do the question is is what would you be doing so if your weight wasn't holding you back if your body wasn't holding you back who would you be how would you be showing up what would you be going after and I want to challenge you to just do that you get to choose you get to decide and your belief system like you just said Sean is so true like but if you just decide, like, I am enough, I am worthy, I am beautiful, then you will start to act and behave in that way. Sometimes you got to fake it till you make it, you know? And a lot of times that's what happens in the beginning. Because especially for me, you know, I think when people look at, you know, my profile or, you know, they hear about my story and they don't they don't know the whole story. They just see the, the aftermath. I sometimes can't believe I hated my body so much. I wrote poetry about it. I got called to the principal's office because I wrote such a nasty poem about my body and how much I hated it that they sent me to the guidance counselor because they yeah. were concerned for me. You know what I mean? Like, so for, if I can heal from my relationship with food in my body and I can learn to love and accept my body from someone who literally hated it so much, that didn't think that was ever possible, you can too. I think the most hidden thing that a lot of people go through, and that is the eating disorders, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the eating disorders happen because obviously you know this and you can add to this. Being teased, being neglected. I mean, there are parents out there that treat one kid differently because 
One kid is not of the weight that they think they should be. And they don't know how that affects the psyche of a child so bad. I want to talk about eating disorders. I want to first talk about eating and binge eating. I want people to catch it at the root of when they're when they're about to do it. And you may mm. repeat yourself from earlier, but mm. what do you think some of the warning factors or like the warning signs are mm. of if you're going down this road of binge eating? Mm. Okay. Or about well, to. Okay, so before we can get into that, I think we just need to understand there are many types of eating disorders. I mean, you probably have heard of anorexia, anorexia nervosa, bulimia, binging, orthorexia. Um, So they all have certain criteria that are diagnosed by a psychologist or a psychiatrist. And so they are actually considered mental illnesses. But what happens is, is either like through anorexia, you purposely avoid or under eat calories. Through binging, you eat to the point where you feel uncomfortably full or really quickly or feel out of control around food. Um, purging, a lot of people associate certain ones with the other and they, they can completely live on their own or they can have a combination of some. And so I think it's really important if you think you need help with an eating disorder, you need help with an eating disorder and make sure that you are working with a credentialed registered dietitian, a therapist, um, and you know you don't have to wait for it to get so bad that you reach out for help. Now, where I think a lot of people fall is they might not, and we don't always fall into the diagnostic criteria because unfortunately, even our medical system can be a little bit biased um, with weight bias. And so sometimes someone might have an active eating disorder, but because they don't fit in the BMI category, um, they won't get clinically diagnosed, but that doesn't mean that they're not still struggling. So I think a lot of people get missed. And so when it's not 100% within the criteria, then we can talk about it. Then it becomes what's called disordered eating. So it's like they have eating disorder tendencies, but not enough for it to be a diagnosis. Now, where do they come from? It could be literally from living in our world, watching things on the media, being told you should do this, you do that, you need to change this, you need to do that. Or it often also is very much associated with things like OCD, anxiety, trauma, PTSD, right? Because if you think about it, food is one of the very few things in life we can control. And so if you have a panic disorder or, um, you know, depression or anxiety um, or any sort of trauma, if unfortunately, if you've been sexually assaulted, sometimes you will use it to be like a shield for you or you use food as a thing that you can control, whether that be under eating or um, or numbing out. If this any of this is triggering for you, I always like to be cautious that if you need to pause and come back, you're you know more than welcome to do so. However, if you feel like anything I'm saying for you, like your ears are perking, well, then you need to keep listening because we're probably going to be able to provide some tips for you. So I just want to make that distinction that whether it's an eating disorder you're struggling with or disordered eating patterns and behaviors, which can be, you know, preoccupation about body weight, intentionally skipping meals, significantly under eating calories, right? You can have like components to one without the other. You still need help because we don't want it to develop into an eating disorder. And what I'll also say is that Google isn't going to help you. (laughs) Like none of that, like Google will give you education and information, but you really need a support system. So uh, whether it's, you know, starting with a therapist or reaching out to a registered dietitian who's qualified, like whatever it is, you need to kind of get started on that now. Okay. 
where we're going to talk about this episode, because I know your listeners have been asking about it, is mostly specifically binge eating. So binge eating disorder is the most common eating disorder in the United States. Mm. To date, 5 million women, and this is reported or diagnosed, so I probably more, 5 million women struggle with binge eating disorder and 3 million men struggle with eating uh, binge eating disorder. Like I said, there's probably way more than that that are underreported and that's just in the United States. So can you imagine the world? Because it happens. And unfortunately, because of all of the guilt and shame around it, a lot of people choose to do this alone. They think that they're the only one. Then you throw weight stigma on top of that. Not just because someone's in a bigger body, that does not mean that they are or are not struggling with binge eating disorder. It actually, even though the diagnostic criteria will tell you it has to do with weight, there are people in a quote unquote normal body size or a normal BMI that are struggling with binge eating disorder. And so it's really important to, I think, just speak on this to bring awareness to it. Without the awareness, you can't change it and you can't heal from it. Right. So we, we first of all, I want anybody who's listening who feels like they maybe eat really quickly or they eat in secret or they eat to the point where they feel uncomfortably full or they feel out of control around food. Like it almost feels like how a lot of people describe it. It almost feels like an outer body experience. Mm. It's almost like they're watching themselves keep going back to the fridge and back to the fridge and, you know, or going to the drive through, whatever it is. And so if any of you are, are struggling with that, know that you're not alone. Like, because that's unfor- that's what's killing us. Like, literally, that's what's keeping everybody stuck in their eating disorders is they're not, they don't think anybody else is struggling. And we need to communicate about it. We need to know that you're not alone because that guilt and shame, it's not, you. it's really hard to heal when you have guilt and shame. Mm. You have to let go and know that you're not alone. Um, other people struggle with it. And with that, once you recognize that, you actually can heal from it. I used to do that like I would and I mentioned this on the podcast before but I would like a few days before my shoot I would just eat like all the chicken in the world any kind of protein eliminate carbs day before a shoot take a laxative like Mm -hmm. it's insane Mm -hmm. insane Mm -hmm. stuff just to like look the part Mm -hmm. but then in addition to that you know I'm like okay this is where I know I shouldn't be doing this because it just mentally doesn't feel right not let's eliminate the physicality of it right but then on the other side i get a little annoyed because the chips taste so good and these ingredients in these chips are making me want to go back to the bag Mm -hmm. right and i feel Mm -hmm. like with the statistic of let's say eight million people between men and women and women and men that is it's enough for our government to do something to say okay we really have to fix what's going in these foods right mm. so we don't have to go into ingredients mm. and this may not be the question for now no but this just, is I just thought good about it. okay no this is good this is great are there certain ingredients or certain foods not even ingredients because it's not even just about like the government and what they put in the food because even back in the day when someone grandma made you a pie with all the with all nothing artificial just all i mean it was sweet it was so much sugar it was sweet it was your brain got that same dopamine effect right like so that's an that is happens naturally like we get chemical reaction for those things that are more palliable and that's because by human nature 
we get excited, right? When it's something sweet that's exciting, right? Especially if we've been deprived and we've been under fueling, right? When we're body finally gets sugar after not having anything, it's the preferred energy source by the body, right? And if you've been depriving it of what it needs, it's going to be like, oh my God, thank you. Thank you so much. You're giving me sugar. This is so great. Give me more, give me more, give me more because I don't know when I'm going to get it again, right? So (laughs) it gets like extra excited. So you're not wrong. You're not wrong that there are certain foods that are a little bit more what maybe some might argue are addicting. Here's where I'm going to challenge you and where I think a lot of people need to truly understand this. And until you heal your relationship with food in your body, you probably won't believe me until you do it yourself. When I tell you that I can genuinely have something sweet and recognize that, wow, this is so good. And even impulsively want another piece, but then decide, you know what? It, It was really good and I enjoyed it. And actually... I I know I can have another one. I just, I don't want one because I also know that when I overeat on it, I get a bellyache. I didn't really feel good. And so actually that was perfect. One thing too, I'll also say, this is what really helps a lot of people is nothing ever tastes as good as the first bite. Mm. Say it again. Say it again. Nothing ever tastes as good as the first bite. So really (laughs) savor that bite. Enjoy that bite because what happens is is people keep trying to relive that first bite Mm. and that's where they get stuck. Now, here's what I'm going to say. We also need to set ourselves up for success. So if you are under fueling, if you're restricting calories, maybe not eating balanced enough or maybe, you know, just or maybe too nutritious and like no fun foods at all where there's no variety. Right. Like if it's too rigid, too restrictive or if there's not a fruit or vegetable on your plate. Right. Your body is saying, I either need more calories because you're underfueling me, or I need more nutrients because you're not giving me enough. Or you know what? I haven't had something that I actually enjoy that excited my taste buds in a minute. Can you please give that to me? Right? So a lot of people are underfueling themselves. And that's the one side, right? That's their physical hunger. But then also from like a psychological component, they are, you know, or emotional component, they're like constantly pouring into others and like not filling up their cup. So not only are they physically tired, but emotionally they're completely drained and they're not setting any boundaries and they're not taking rest days or they're not taking a day off work or they're working two jobs or taking care, you know, never saying no, right? And so now think of a Venn diagram, right? So we have this Venn diagram on one side. It's like nutrient wise, uh, physical wise, like not getting enough, you know, maybe being, you know, cutting out calories, skipping meals or whatever it is. And then the other side, like not doing anything that fills up our cup, you know, not doing anything that makes us feel good emotionally, right? Just like depleting, depleting, depleting. Those two things overlap. That's called the danger zone. So yeah, you put a cake in front of me in that state, I'm going to eat the whole damn cake. Like there's no question about it because my body isn't getting what it needs and mentally I'm not getting what I need. And so that's where it can be the danger zone where if you put something palatable in front of you, it's going to be a lot harder to resist it. But if you can learn to fuel your body and eat balanced meals consistently And then also take care of your other needs mentally and emotionally and prioritize things like sleep and rest days and gentle and movement, regular movement, but like not the extremes. When you can do that and you genuinely understand that you're not a bad person if you decide to have a cookie or not, it loses its sense of like power over you. And that's how you get your power back. So what I was saying earlier, like I help empower people to make choices beyond food, but it starts with food. It literally helps them. It comes from this place of like, wow, I can't believe I just did that. And it starts with like one one moment or one meal, just getting through it and then realizing like, oh, wow, 
that wasn't even, I actually am not even thinking about the candy in uh, from Halloween anymore. Or I'm not even thinking about the ice cream in the freezer anymore because I know I can have it. And when I have it, I enjoy it, but I don't overdo it. And it's always there if I want to go back. You have a method called the pause method, which I'm sure it includes a lot of what you just said. But yes. the sound of that, even though it's an acronym, it makes me very, very happy. So can you talk about the pause method definitely and i'm just gonna i'm gonna plug you really quick listen y'all if you've made it this far in the episode we're gonna find out how to get in touch with tony for you guys to to jump on and not even a bandwagon you're just gonna jump on the bus she's gonna take you where you need to go drop you off back at home so you're like all right i got my life together anyway let's talk about the pause (laughs) method. thank you yeah so the pause method this came to me literally during the pandemic because i we had a a, we were very busy the pandemic and it was it was a beautiful thing right a lot of people realize they really it was the time for them to take advantage of healing their relationship with food and so we specialize in helping people who struggle with emotional eating or binge eating you know i was teaching them this method all the time but then i finally was able to put an acronym to it so i was like oh how fun it's so much easier to remember okay so basically this is this is understanding so let me preface this by saying this is truly when you're deciding to eat from impulse stress or motion not from i'm hungry if you're hungry eat that's that's what i think is important right so this is literally from this place of like you're clearly not hungry like you just you want to soothe and you know that for you you end up one thing becomes the next thing becomes the next thing so what i want you to do is the next time you get that impulse is i want you to pause pause stands for p pay attention a assess how you feel you understand why you feel that way s set up a plan and then e execute that plan so pause so pay attention assess how you feel I'm feeling exhausted. Why do you feel that way? Understand why you feel that way. Well, I didn't get a good night's sleep last night. It's like 1030 at night right now. Like, okay, set up a plan. The plan, what do we think the plan should be at 1030 at night when we're telling our body, when our body's telling us to go into the cabinet? What do we need to do? We need to sleep. So the plan is to sleep. You get up and you go in and you go to bed. And that's that's your executing that plan. So when it comes to that execution, that is really different for everyone. So that it also depends. Like if it's 1030 at night, the obvious answer is to go to sleep. But sometimes it might be in the middle of the day. So maybe you go out for a walk or maybe you call a friend and the more you practice it the better you'll actually get at managing it so that's really helpful to do in the moment um but one thing i'll also say just proactively you know just take care of yourself better (laughs) because then you'll probably a lot of the times when we go to binge or um, eat emotionally it's often a symptom small details are big surfaces tight corners are odd shapes flat rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I love hearing while you do have the answers, if you will, 
everything is a system. And I, I believe that right now, if you're listening to this or watching this, you should really attach to the fact that it is a system. If you go into a factory, like what becomes, I mean, it's probably not the best example, but this is something I saw on like some random post. You know, I was looking at how Laffy Taffy's were made. <laughs> was it on TikTok? All the I think it was on TikTok. TikTok. Definitely had to be on TikTok. But, and I wasn't, I'm not even like a Laffy Taffy fan like that, but it was just showing how like the process of it. And I was just like, wow, for that food to get to that space is a process. And so mm. all of this that you're hearing today is like, don't just attach to the final answer. Don't just attach to how you're going to feel after because you're going to feel how you're going to feel after throughout the process with the step-by-step success that you have with these individual moments of success when you execute a plan or like you think a little bit longer before you eat again or something. So I just want to say first, thank you for creating something that is more systematic, more than overnight success. Yeah, definitely. And I'm so glad that you said that because breaking up with binging is a process. And before there are no binges, there are fewer binges. And there's actually five ways in which you can measure your progress when it comes to binging because a lot of people get frustrated. I binge, so I screwed up. It's like, no, I need you to ask yourself. These are the five criterias. If you binge, when was the last time you binged? Because if you're decreasing the frequency in which it happens, maybe you used to do it every other night and now it's once a week that's progress right how long does it last there's some people I know that binge from you know they get home from work at maybe four or five o'clock they don't stop till it's time to go to bed so if you're able to decrease the duration of how long that binge lasts that's success right how you rebound how you recover for some people binging then leads to purging or leads to skipping meals or leads to beating themselves up or whatever it is and if you're able to it just happened and now you don't rebound in a negative way that just contributes to that cycle, that's progress as well. You also can change what you choose to eat. Sometimes people might choose to binge on certain foods that they know usually lead to more foods. And if you decide to change what you binge on, yes, it's still binging if you eat, if you binge on carrots and hummus versus, you know, potato chips. However, the fact that you decided to change it implies choice, which means that you are starting to gain some sort of control, which means you are starting to heal, which is really empowering. And then lastly, the volume. A lot of people, it's like maybe you used to eat to the point where it was like, you know, it was really quick and you felt uncomfortable full and it was so bad but maybe now it still happens it's still impulsive it's still you're eating really quickly and you're eating till fullness but not to the point where it's like so full and so uncomfortable so I think it's really important for you guys to understand you know that progress is definitely not linear and there's also many ways to measure progress just like when it comes to a lot of people fixate on the number on the scale with weight loss it's like if that's your only thing that you fixate on you're going to be stuck and you're never going to feel like it's enough and you're never going to actually make progress but if you are getting stuck in like a I screwed up again or I binged again, I I challenge you to go through those five like types of criteria to see where there was progress because hopefully you will. You'll start to see progress in some area. If you're actively trying to change it, you're going to start to see progress there and then there'll become fewer in between and you, you know, you're going to look back and you're going to be like, oh my God, I can't believe I used to binge all the time. I haven't binged in a year. That's freaking yeah. cool. And then oh it's two gosh. years and then it's three years. And it's like, oh my God, it was a completely different person. Like how cool is it? How far it came? <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. So going to like kind of hop subjects because I only have a little bit of time left, but this I think is like a fun topic, but it's also extremely uh, personal and sensitive. So 
what I'm about to say, I want people out there to know that this is coming from a really great place. And it comes from questions that I've been asked a lot. So here we go. So for me, and specifically my profession, people lose weight for a wedding or when they're single, they're like, I'm super fit. I'm going to be super fit. I'm going to lose weight. Oh, I'm trying to find a girlfriend. I'm trying to find a boyfriend. I'm going to go to the gym. And then what happens is they find that person or they get married. And then I realize that their entire goal was situational exercise, which is I'm only going to do this for the wedding. I'm only going to do this to find a spouse. And then three, four years into the marriage, people are like, oh my gosh, like, you know, we kind of let ourselves go and like, oh, we've been enjoying the food. And I'm like, wait a minute, but what happened? And I, and I truly, for me, I don't really care how much people weigh, but when you come to me and you ask me what happened, my first question is, well, you did all this before the wedding. You did all this to find that special someone. Now we have to figure out what happened Mm -hmm. after. So, Mm -hmm. And then, and I'll go a little bit deeper into this, and I think this is where it becomes really personal and might trigger some people. One person in a relationship might not be where they were before, and then it starts to become a problem in a relationship. Like, one person staying fit and healthy, and the other mm-hmm. person is like, just like, well, I'm just kind of enjoying life. You know, mm-hmm. all, hearing all of that, I know that's a lot, and I'm trying to be sensitive to the way people feel, but I do know there's a lot of people out there who are going through that. How do you manage that? Just got in a relationship. I'm finding or found love. How do I carry this through and not Mm. just get complacent in the area of my internal health by way of food? That's where it comes down to your belief system. Because if you feel like you're only doing it to for a, a temporary solution well then you're not valuing your quality of life if you have a balanced nutrition plan all the time you don't have to teeter between doing it or not doing it it's just who you are as a person you're somebody who cares about your body you love to take care of your body you love to take care of your health and you also like to have some fun it doesn't have to be one or the other and it's learning how to do it within that so I think that at the end of the day even weight aside I think it really comes down to you know how are you are you taking care of yourself because if you're genuinely taking care of yourself in all of the ways mentally and physically then your body size is going to be your body size and if someone decides to judge you on that then they're not your person both with relationships and dieting a lot of people, they think that they can do it temporarily and then it produces long-term results, right? Mm. And it's like, if you don't work on your relationship, that a relationship is ending. So if you don't continue to implement the things that you've been doing in order to get certain results, what with it be with your health um, or even your physique, like you're not going to keep those results long after. So it really comes back to mindset and changing your mindset and understanding that anything you do temporarily will produce temporary results. So it's not about doing it short term. It's literally what are you committed to and who do you want to be and how do you want to show up both as an individual self and as a partner. And when you look at it from that perspective, then it's really hard to put the extremes in there unless there's like you know it's like pretty much you start to you move your body because it feels good you eat healthy and balanced because it makes you feel good but you also make room for fun foods because you know that's fun and exciting and like you know part of life but it doesn't have to be one or the other so I think it really comes down to mindset my trainer specifically we were talking about how me and my husband we love a good brunch and we love some mimosas and we love x y and z and she was like great she was like, that's your lifestyle. We, we're going to fit that into yes. this specifically for you. And it's kind of what I, I like to say is, you know, 
you don't have to stop at all. You know, you just have to control what it is that's going to make you feel great, you know? Yeah, definitely. And I think to speak to that, there are seasons, right? And so there might be a period in your life where maybe you do maybe drink a little bit less alcohol or you cut back a little bit on the sugar or whatever it is. But then there there are seasons where maybe you um, enjoy a little bit more of those things. But at the end of the day, to have balance, you're still always working on some component of your health. You're never saying screw it completely. And you're also never like, you know, giving 100% because you're going to burn out that way. Right. So it's kind of just finding, you know, what works for you in this season and knowing that, you know, seasons change and that's okay, but they're just going to shift a bit. They're not going to be drastically different. I mean, if they are, you're just going to get drastically different results and you have to be okay with that. But the reality is, is that when you truly decide that you're living, it's a lifestyle. Like you're just living a healthy lifestyle. You're eating about, you're eating balance and it's how you choose to be. It's part of who you are. Then it no longer feels like it has to, it's temporary. Tony, how can people find you to get more of your greatness? Oh, um, Instagram is where I hang out the most uh, at tips underscore with underscore Tony with an I. I also have the tips with Tony podcast. You can get once upon a diet on Amazon. And then if you're interested in coaching, you can go to tips slash coaching and fill out the application. I love it. And finally, my final question is, I, I definitely could have another 45 minutes to an hour with you. But, um, <laughs> I talk a lot. <laughs> well, no, I love it. Are you kidding? So what is your definition of trust and believe? Ooh. So the word that came to me is introspection. And trusting and believing is knowing that you are capable of doing literally whatever you decide you want to do and being introspective enough to let it come to you and it will and whatever you decide it. you want to be or do it'll happen look at I, look at me guys i'm on shanti's podcast this is literally <laughs> a dream of mine literally oh my like, god that's so nice this is like insane to me like i'm i it's so cool it's so cool you can do whatever i feel it's cool and you're right i mean you have to believe i think that just to kind of close this out to everyone out there, like everything that Tony talked about, everything that I always talk about, it really comes down to you believing that you're capable and loving yourself and not looking at outside entities or people to need validation for you to be happy within yourself. Right. Whether it's a magazine, whether it's what your friend looks like, whether it's, you know, this is how I have to be on this vacation because that hotel website has the people that look like this. It really should be white noise to you. And mm-hmm. you should create whatever it is that you want to create with your body, with your experience when you go out there mm-hmm. into the world. I want to say thanks again to Tony and to Thank everyone you. else. <laughs> Always trust and believe in who you are. <laughs>